support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by PB and Joey. Simple, honest, and delicious. Go to pbandjoey.com for more information. $35 or more gets you free shipping. That's pbandjoey.com for more information. pbandjoey.com. Hey everyone, here's a great way to support this website and make money for yourself. This is Robinhood, the app that makes investing easier and offers more ways to make your money work harder. Their goal? Investing in financial markets more affordable, more intuitive, and more fun, no matter how much experience you have or don't have. Keep a broker in your back pocket. Everything you need to manage your assets and all available in a single app. Set up customized news and notifications to stay on top of your assets as casually or as relentlessly as you like. Controlling the flow of info is up to you. Have access to stocks, funds, options, cash management, and cryptocurrency. Make unlimited commission-free trades in stocks, funds, and options with Robinhood Financial. The same goes for buying and selling cryptocurrencies with Robinhood Crypto and zero commission fees. Also introducing cash management. Invest, spend, and earn all through your brokerage account. Secure a spot on the waitlist and reserve your card. Here's what I want you to do. Go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate and when you click on the referral banner and securely sign up either using your Android, Apple device, or desktop, you get a share of stock value between $3 and $150 after funding your account. That's all you got to do. You get a free stock. I get a free stock. We all win. Trading terms and conditions still apply. See Robinhood.com for more information. Once again, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate, click on the Robinhood referral banner, and claim your free stock. Robinhood, it's time to do money. I still don't understand why people buy all this shit from these fucking morons. I just don't get it. Walt Disney's older brother, Roy Disney, told me about 50 years ago, when value is clear, decisions are easy. If it takes you more than a microsecond to decide to buy something, value's not clear. If you ran your life on the precept of value is clear, then I can make a decision easily, quickly, not procrastinate, not spreadsheet it to death. If you're not doing that, then you're obviously not leading a high performance life. HeyHairPositiveSarcasm.com Report here at the Spare Parts Studio Happy Sunday, everybody It's Sunday afternoon It's Sunday Leftovers With your favorite podcast host Who's fucking clueless It's Sunday afternoon here over at the Spare Parts Studios You can find me on Instagram At positive underscore sarcasm You can find me on Facebook.com Slash POS Sarcasm Or if you just want to be my friend You can go to Facebook.com Slash Positive Sarcasm you can also find any and all information regarding me and my misadventures at positivesarcasm.com. Posing music, uh, YouTubes, movie reviews, everything. All my shit is on there. Check it out. You can still find me on TikTok at Positive Sarcasm. Here's the thing about that. I'll, I'll, here's my official statement on it. I'm not against... Okay. I support... When it comes to TikTok, I support... Um, the idea of having additional, uh, having diverse platforms. So if you have Facebook, you have Instagram, you have TikTok, you have Snapchat, you have Minds, you have Twitter. I'm not on Twitter. However, if it is deemed a security threat, if it, I, I've stated before, uh, I'm a, I'm a supporter of Edward Snowden. I don't like having my data stolen misused, abused, then again, I know Facebook and Instagram also do that. I know Twitter does that as well. TikTok is also a big offender. I'm not against, um, I'm not against TikTok being sold to Microsoft or being sold to Twitter or, or being sold to an American company and continuing on. However, it, we all know that TikTok, well, if you are smart enough to understand, which who knows at this point, that at the, at the behest of the Chinese government, any request by the Chinese government for a Chinese company has to be um, followed. So if they say we want all the data from users on TikTok, TikTok has to give those users to the Chinese government. So if it's a danger to the national security of people in the United States or wherever else TikTok is available, then it has to go. If they decide to pull it for security reasons, I'm fine with that. There are things in this world that 
I don't know about, I don't understand, and quite frankly, I don't want to understand. It's It takes a lot to seek out the information I do on a daily basis, and it's another thing to... It hurts to know that my information, my data has already been stolen or been abused, at the very minimum has been abused. Abused, compromised, accessed, utilized in, in statistics, false statistics, who knows. But I would rather, for my own benefit, something get shut down because it's not in accordance with our federal uh, guidelines. It doesn't protect the best. I mean, I get it. People go on TikTok and do the dumbest shit. I get it. But to for that information to be utilized and possibly used against you, uh, years from now, it, it's in a. It's not. It's not worth the risk. So if if something were to happen to TikTok, like it couldn't make a deal with Microsoft and be moved over to Ameri to American soil, and it's got to get shut down or banned, not shut down, but banned then so be it. I understand that. I accept it. And that's the way it will go. That's the way it will be. And I'll just continue on with the platforms that I'm on. Um, like I said, social media, I mean, a lot of people need to understand that you should post and ghost. Most information, you shouldn't be sitting there, uh, sitting online on social media all day, every day. It's depressing because you're not accomplishing anything. Your brain is just getting these little dopamine hits but you're not, and just enough to keep you locked in and scrolling and swiping and clicking and liking and reacting and typing. And you're then, then at the end of the day, you're not accomplishing anything. But you don't realize it, but you're making these little micro decisions every second you do that, saying, I don't want to accomplish anything right now. I don't want to do anything of value. I don't want to support my community. I'm just going to keep scrolling. I'm not going to do shit. I'm not going to go out and better myself. Well, it takes a lot to manage multiple social media accounts properly. I don't, I mean, I just, I simply go from it. I post whatever gets posted on Instagram generally gets posted on Facebook. Facebook may get posted with a couple more things such as quick notes and other links, but for them and ways to find deals and stuff, but it's all the same stuff. Whatever it's posted, whatever gets posted on Instagram gets posted on Facebook. Whatever gets posted on Facebook, from that, gets posted on TikTok. Simple. And then I post, and then I get out. Regardless of whether or what I, something I say or do is considered controversial is another thing, but I don't care about that. It's just each reaction should have, you should have an allocation of time throughout your day of how much you're going to spend on social media. And really, it's a per, you be the amount of time you should be spending is way less than you think. As far as you post something and then you, people post something and then maybe they get a reaction. Some people post things and they expect reactions. And then they post something uh, specifically for getting reactions. And then they continue to post things in order to get into reactions or interaction. But that doesn't solve anything. It's, it's almost like making shock rock. It's kind of pointless. Like, Marilyn Manson was, I mean, that was considered shock rock, but the fact is, is Marilyn Manson was good. He had good music. He had music that had multi-purposes to it. You could drive to it. You could work out to it. You could go to a concert and, and jive to it. But you don't want to be going, you want to be posting stuff that, that leads the viewer or the listener or the reader to pursue more information. You don't want to send them on a path that comes back to you. You want to send them on a path like, I'm going to post something about energy drinks. Or I'm going to post something about how uh, New York is essentially dying. It's on life support right now. Um, and I want people to go and, and, and look and see what's going on. I don't want them to come back to me and immediately... If they say something like right away to my response, to my post, that means they didn't do any initial research. I mean, unless I'm posting something just to make you laugh, then I want you to go and look. I want you to go and do research. I, I want you to post something that either is to the contrary, that's in agreement, or dives deeper into the topic, but just makes you go and want to learn a little bit more. So when I post something, I want you to kind of either maybe listen to my podcast in its entirety, 
or go out and look at that topic that I'm posting and see what the deal is. So as far as TikTok, though, if it's got to go, it's got to go. And okay, it's just it's just social media. It's to me. Well, I get it. There are people there that are making they're making some bread. They're making some cheddar. But it shouldn't be at this point. If you know you're getting big at something, you should already be expanding, diversifying your portfolio. Like there are people who are on YouTube. How often does Casey Neistat post on YouTube anymore? Barely any. He's used that to open up to other things. Plus, you know, Casey, before he started on YouTube, he was a documentarian. He was a documentarian. He worked for CNN. So he had experience in other things. So he knows how to make documentaries. He knows how to work with clients. He knows how to investigate stuff. He's a very good filmmaker. He's a very good editor and a video and a vlogger. He has his own style. He has his own personality. So he knew how to make documentaries. He knew how to work with clients. So he used YouTube as a way to get to the next destination. And then, he, and then at that point, he moved on. He doesn't post that much anymore. He doesn't need to. Because YouTube has an expiration date. Why? Because they're only, gonna, they're only destroying themselves with the amount of censoring that they do and suppression that they do. Facebook, same thing. Instagram, same thing. You know, it's these little microbursts of, mon- of, of, of a pool of money that you can access, and then, poof, it's gone. It's like a running back when he sees a hole in, in the defensive line. Got to hit that. You got to hit that hole as soon as you see it, and it's going to close up shortly after, and then, boom, the money's gone. The money's dried up. Instagram has the money dried up. Facebook has the money dried up. TikTok has the money dried up. YouTube has the money dried up. That's the question. So you take that in, you take all of that, all that stuff, all those skills that you learned, as soon as you have them, you start applying them to other things, that money that's generated from it, that needs, you need to keep, let me put it this way. Everything for me is like metaphorical. So if you're, it's a 100-yard dash, you're, you're racing towards the finish line. You're running as hard as you can. You're working as hard as you can. And you don't stop. You don't slow down. You don't let up. You push your chest out, and you run as hard as you can across that finish line. 200 meter, same thing. You run as hard as you can, as fast as you can. You don't stop. You don't run 100 meters. You run 120 meters. Because you want to make sure that through your work on all these social medias, through all these different platforms, that you have enough financial freedom to be like, when the well dries up, you're going to be fine. You don't want to be left in a position where the risks that you took didn't leave you with an out. So, like, they made their money. Casey Neistat is set for life. The Kardashians, they used one sex tape and milked the shit out of it. Uh, And they're set for life, all of them. Their kids and their kids' kids are set for life. So the all the Instagram influencers, they're set are they set for life? That's the big question. Are the Instagram influencers set for life? I don't know. Are the TikTok influencers, are they set for life? I don't know. You've got to take all those all that money that you make from those that influencing or that money or those donations or that Patreon page and put it in a position so that if you get canceled tomorrow, or the well dries up tomorrow, you're good. And you can continue to live the, the lifestyle that you do. You don't have to go and you don't have to go into nine to five. You can continue being who you wanted to be. That was the point, right? You wanted to make really cool content that got people's attention and then cash in. Well, how are you gonna do that? Are you gonna take that money in and put it in a savings account or invest or take your your followers to another platform an up and coming platform you know people that some people that were on Twitch and they went over to Mixer before it got shut down they made a deal like Ninja I think it was had a huge deal with Mixer Mixer's gone now but he made his money Ninja's set for life he doesn't have to do shit now granted his platform's gone 
but he can go wherever he wants. These people are set for life. So you have to find all those avenues of taking whatever it is. If, if they made 50 grand or 20 grand, there you go. There's your, there's your egg. Build on that. And then your viewers, your listeners, your readers, your you know followers, you got to send them somewhere. They got to go somewhere. You got to be like, listen, I'm going here and here and here. And just utilize that and run it until the well's dry. And then fortify your position and retire or do something. Just, I, I don't want to see people who have these dreams of, you know, making it big on a platform that, you know, isn't, these platforms, they die quickly. We saw what happened to MySpace. MySpace died so quickly. MySpace was huge and then it died. Facebook is gigantic. Facebook will die too. Instagram will die too. Snapchat, well, they'll all die. They'll all get, they'll all be replaced by something eventually. Remember, they're, they haven't been around very long. They have not been around very long. So you have to take advantage of it when it's there. When, when all that information, that wealth of knowledge, that income, you have to attack it. And then when that well dries up, you at least are in a location where you still have some of your followers and your listeners and your readers and build your own little thing. Like there, are, but what sucks is, what's, what really sucks is, our common saying is that comedians are canaries in the coal mine. So the, the thing is, is when, you know, canaries that go into the coal mine, if there was a lack of oxygen, the canaries would die or something of that nature. And that means that the, there's something bad about to happen in the coal mine. And then all the miners had to get the hell out of there. The comedians are metaphorically canaries in the coal mine. So if something bad happens and, can, and the comedians, comedians react to it, whether they get canceled or they moved or somebody dies, whatever, you follow comedians. Comedians are the fear gauge, like the VIXs to the stock market, the fear index. Comedians are the fear index to us, to us as people. They point out everything. They make light of everything. Nothing is too soon for them. They explore every topic. So when you see people like Theo Vaughn, Joe Rogan, Nikki Glaser, Joey Diaz, all these comedians leaving Los Angeles, Adam Carolla talking about leaving Los Angeles, all of them leaving Los Angeles, what does that say about the conditions of our cities? Are they are our cities on their last leg? What's going to happen to New York? New York's for I mean for all intents and purposes uninhabitable. Most of the m most of the restaurants are closed. Most of the offices are not being occupied. Uh most of the new high-rise apartment complexes are not being rented. People are not returning. They're still under quarantine. Crime is at an all-time high. Like late 1970s, early 1980s high. So, and taxes are only going up. So the pros of living in New York City, you have the pros of living in New York City and the pros of living in LA. You have access to everything. You, all your friends are there. It's diverse. It's interesting. It's a vibing environment. It's a chance to make it big. It's a chance to chase your dreams. You can't do that now. So why is, with nothing, all the pros, when COVID hit, all the pros of living in LA and all the pros of living in New York died. Died. They're gone. There's no reason. There's no comedy. All the stores are, all the stores in LA are closed. I, I'm not sure... Maybe some in San Diego are open, but L.A. is dead. L.A. is is dead. And L.A. is a bitch to travel in to begin with. I've traveled in L.A. New York, New York's a mess because of several different reasons. Ra crime is now nuts because the mayor isn't doing anything. They still haven't opened up indoor dining. So all these people that put so much money and pay so much taxes and put... When you're a restaurant opener, when you open up a... When you run a restaurant and own a restaurant, you are literally putting your life's work into something. 
and the return on it is minimal. Re- restaurant work it cannot be anything short of a passion to open up a restaurant. Comedy is the same thing, but you don't have a team with comedy. It's generally just you. The reason you get into comedy, you don't like working with people. You hate people. You are, I mean, Ellen is a fucking comic. Ellen is a true comic. And somebody who, in my opinion, shouldn't have a TV show. Ellen should be back on the road doing comedy. Ellen should go back into doing comedy. Ellen was an amazing stand-up comic. But you see the people here now who are, I mean, all these personalities, like Diaz and Rogan and Theo Vaughn, They've, they're huge comics. They work their asses off. They travel everywhere. They do. They make the well was full in L.A. The well was full in L.A. And then all the comedians, there was Andrew Schultz and Tim Dillon. They were all they they're going to L.A. working out their stuff in L.A. All the podcasts were in L.A. So everybody was bouncing from podcast to podcast to podcast, letting them know when they where they were going to be and when they were going to be going to the comedy store, going to the all the other comedy clubs. And everybody got a chance to see all these people together vibing off each other. And then next thing you know, these guys are getting, quote, canceled. And these venues are closed due to COVID. So what the fuck's the point? They're all leaving. They're the canaries in the coal mine. What's, what is going to happen to these cities? And what's the effect of these cities collapsing? Who's going to come back? Why would they come back? How are these cities going to recover from, I mean, the damage done financially and so- socially, soci- sociologically? I don't know. I guess both from those points of view, the damage done will take, what, 10 years? 10 years, I guess. I mean, don't get me wrong. Cities have bounced back. Cities have, in a couple of years, sometimes a mayor will come along or a movement will come along and it will change the city. But look how quickly these cities were. I mean, for a while, about a month or so, things were kind of, all right, we're going to come out of this. People are going to be friendlier to each other. Nah, it didn't happen. Didn't happen. The riots broke out and pretty much killed all that. But you know what's funny is like, you have, like, uh, th- where where are they going to go? Like, Diaz is moving to New Jersey. Theo Vaughn's moving to, like, Tennessee or some shit. Nikki Glazer's already in the Midwest. Rogan's moving to fucking Texas. They're gone. They're out of there. They're leaving. Some of their producers are going with them. Some aren't. Like, Diaz's podcast, The Church of What's Happening Now, that's ending. Don't know if it's coming back, but he's ending it. Sad. But... What does that mean for people like me? Who's coming here? Like, they're all leaving. They're all going somewhere. Where are they going? After these cities crumble, because the restaurants aren't open, the comedy clubs aren't open, the theaters and nightclubs aren't open. So there's nothing there. There's nothing to do. All you're doing is paying shitloads in taxes, and you're paying a huge, uh, your fucking humongous rent bill is going towards this tiny little place and there's nothing to do there. Screw it. Leave. But it's going to be a massive effect. It's it, the the chain reaction of how these cities are going to crumble is something it, it doesn't the words new normal don't there's no normal at this point. This is normal. What you're seeing right now is so much going on. The lasting effects of this will take will be about 10 years. If everything crumbled right now, it would take probably 10 years for everything to recover because this is this is earth-shattering. Not what happened, but how we responded to it. Cuz to me the the COVID thing there was so many different avenues of of handling this. And there were things readily available to combat this. But the health of the nation was in peril anyways. People were not taking care of themselves. So there you go. Taxes were already too high in New York City and in L.A. And then COVID hit. You know, now people are like, fuck it. Well, we can't we're not we can't eat out. We can't go out without fear of getting fined or whatever. In order to go to these cities, you got to quarantine for two weeks. So why are we doing this? Fuck it. And I love New York. 
But the last time I was there, I saw something. I looked and I go, it's a beautiful skyline. It's going to be a sad day when this all burns down. It's going to be the biggest. New York City is going to be the biggest ghetto you've ever seen. It's going to be the prettiest ghetto you've ever seen. I I don't, I really don't know what's going to happen to it. My family's from there. They all came through there. My Jewish side of my family, Sicilian side of my family, they all came through New York City. They all grew up there. They were all on the mean streets from Brooklyn to Bronx to Harlem to uh, Midtown to Staten Island to Queens, Long Island. They they lived and breathed that hot dog water. And to n- know that that is going to be something quite possibly of the past, the damage is irreversible. It's... Detroit is something at least. Detroit is still is becoming agricultural. Uh, it's it's changing its it's changing paths. You know, it's moving in a direction, but Detroit still exists. But New York and New York and, and LA, I don't know. I don't know what are they going to be the next Baltimore? Or are they going to be something worse? I, I don't. I wish I had more answers for you, but these guys don't. Stay there to try to figure it out. So this is my message to you, people who live in New York, people who live in L.A. Don't stay there to find out. Don't tough it out. It's not worth it. You need to you. Sh- you need to leave. You need to leave. If there's no reason to be in these cities anymore with telecommunications at 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 a peak right now and all the new technology coming out to cater to your needs. And technology just ramping up to the point where you can do a lot with very, very little. Like this spare part studio is a perfect example. Matter of fact, I really got to, from that picture that Rogan posted, I really need to do a, a, a remake of the studio. I mean, next year it'll get a whole spare parts do-over or remake or makeover. But, I mean, it is looking kind of dry right now. But, um... If you're in these cities, you have to make arrangements to get out. And I mean like now. There's no reason for you to be there. There's none. There's fuck fuck it. Get out. Claim. I don't care what you have to do. Do debt consolidation. Do bankruptcy. Do whatever it takes. There are more opportunities right now in the rural sections, the suburban sections of the world, and the um, states you wouldn't even think to live in. Go there. Move to South Carolina. Move to Georgia. Move to hell. Even move to Florida. I don't fucking care. Move to Jersey. I don't know. But get out. There's no reason for you guys to be there anymore. Maybe there has to... Only at the precipice of destruction does humanity change. Only at the precipice. When we see... Black and white. When the gray gets cut out and it's life or death. When it's all black and white, that's when we make a decision. Your buying habits have to change. Your eating habits have to change. Your lifestyle has to change. Your living conditions and the environment that you uh, circle through every day has to change. You got to get out. Shit, for all you New Yorkers, for all you New Yorkers, I'll give you this. If you move to New Hampshire from New York within the next three months, I will buy you dinner. I will buy you dinner. For the sacrifices that you have made to live in New York City, having been spit back in your face, if you leave New York and you come to my area, I will buy you dinner. Doesn't matter your diet, any dietary lifestyle. If it's if you're a vegetarian, if you're vegan, if you're gluten free, if you're um, if you're pescatarian, I don't care. I will buy you dinner if you move here and get out of that shithole. Because you poured your heart and soul into that, and you've gotten as of right now nothing in return, only disappointment. Hell, I'll even fucking, if they don't have the options, I will make you dinner. But I don't, my biggest thing is like, there are people out there right now that are making a big deal, and you'll probably see this later this week, 
about uh, Sturgis. Sturgis is, if you don't know, it's the largest. It's in South Dakota. It's home to the largest motorcycle rally of all time. We have them too. It's a, it's called Bike Week up in here in New Hampshire. And in, in where's once a year, thousands of bikers show up and I don't know, go to bars and see concerts and all kinds of shit. But it's minuscule to the size of a Sturgis rally. They're talking like a couple hundred thousand people went to Sturgis. And South Dakota is small, like as far as like it's rural. And there were there there was no quarantining. There was no. It was a very hands off approach. It's like you do you, no masks, no distancing, nothing. They just did whatever. Like nothing changed. They're like fuck it, let's just live and see what happens and take a chance. And people are gonna talk mad shit about that. They're gonna talk mad shit about a thing that happens every year. And basically, people said fuck this this pandemic we don't care we're living we'll take a chance and deal with it later and they're gonna talk mad shit about it but they're not gonna say a damn thing they're not gonna say a damn thing about all the massive rioting and protesting and breaking windows and shit like that and the looting and the gunfire and the fucking stealing and all that other stuff they're not gonna say anything about that because they don't want to get labeled something They'll talk shit about this, this motorcycle rally all day long. But they, when it comes to all the looting in these massive cities, New York and L.A. and San Fran, they're not going to say nothing. They're not going to say a damn thing because they don't want to get labeled. You're going to go to this rally. What are you going to do? Pick, you know, going to pick up some styrofoam from the ground? A little sweeping, a little mopping? That's it. No rioting there. Just a bunch of bikers being fat and silly. That's about it. They'll come down with COVID most likely and they'll spread it all over the United States. That's what they'll do. How is that any different from all the riots that happened in the major cities in the past few months? How is it any different? Um, no, there's some significant differences. No windows were broken in Sturgis. No Nikes were stolen in Sturgis. Pretty sure nobody was wearing Nikes in Sturgis. And I'm not... This isn't political. I don't do politics here. I'm just stating facts. This is the facts. This is a motorcycle rally. They do it every year. It's controlled. Riots and looting are not controlled. And viruses spread exactly the same as they would in Sturgis as they would in rioting and looting. Even more so. Because once you break into a store and you have something, you're touching everything. You're touching everything and you are compromising everything. Okay, it's like a dog who sheds a lot, who just came in from a rain store, runs into your fucking uh, into your store and just shakes profusely and then boof, it's fur goes everywhere. Only that dog didn't smash through the glass and steal half your shit. So they're going to say you're going to see some mainstream media run, probably run with this motorcycle rally. But they're not going to say anything negative or counter to the rioting and the pro and the ma the protests that were as they said mostly peaceful no they weren't no they weren't my father taught me this a long time ago professional protesting professional protesting goes like this it's common it's been a common practice since the 1960s you put the people up front who are less who look innocent they look innocent at the front you know women children babies, people who look like they're mostly protesting. And then the motherfuckers in the back who are tossing the cock Molotov cocktails, which is basically a bottle, a glass bottle filled with fuel and a rag hanging out of it. That's a classic Molotov cocktail. You light it, you throw it, you light a cop on fire. They're in the back. They're throwing the rocks. They're throwing the tear gas. They're throwing whatever. And then the, and then the police come and clash, you know, all the rookie cops come and clash with the protesters. Who do they touch first? The people in the front. Where are the photographers? Right in the front. So what do they take pictures of? The cops clashing with the peaceful protesters. Who's not being photographed? The people in the back. The ones doing all the damage. And that is the photo on the front of Newsweek. That is the photo on, front of your main, on the front of your mainstream media. So if they're going to talk about that, how are they going to approach the Sturgis rally? How are they going to approach the topic 
of Rogan and Diaz and Theo Vaughn and Nikki Glaser and Joey Diaz, all these huge taxpayers to the city of Los Angeles leaving. That's all that tax money leaving L.A. and going to Texas, going to Tennessee, going to New Jersey. All that money is leaving L.A. So are they going to talk about that? Is that going to become a topic? Because the canary, now they don't talk about like, is, is Ellen leaving? Where does Ellen live? L.A.? Probably. All the movie stars, the millionaires, the Chris Evanses and the Robert Downeys, where do they live? I don't know. They probably live out in Malibu. Are they leaving? Probably not. But they got millions and millions and millions of dollars. They're not going anywhere. They can just hop on a helicopter in a moment's notice and take off. But they're not going anywhere. Their environment is not bothered. Not yet, anyways. Because, the con because they're the coal miners. The comedians, the road dogs, who have to hit the strip every night, they're the canaries. So when they leave, how, when the comedians start leaving L.A., when they start leaving New York, how long does it take until the celebrities leave? Two different tax brackets. It's one thing if Rogan leaves. It's, first of all, it's a huge thing if Rogan leaves because Rogan is mainstream media. What about if, where does Kevin Hart live? What if he leaves? What if Dwayne Johnson leaves? What if Alan leaves? What if these big movie stars? What if Charlie Sheen leaves? What if uh, whoever else lives out there leaves and says, fuck this place. It's not worth living here anymore. We pay all this money to have a quiet life. I'm moving to the ocean because I don't want to have to deal with, on a much smaller scale, the bullshit of what I have to deal with here. I want to have a... I do. I never asked for much in life. I wanted to have a quieter time. I always... Well, first of all, I wanted to get to the ocean 10 years ago. That was my goal. Get to the ocean. Good. I'm going. One way or another, next year, I'm going. So, great. I'm going to have a quiet life in the place where I want to live. I almost moved to Texas. Glad I kind of didn't. I love the ocean too much. But I found that spot that I'm willing to pay to live at. I'm finally leaving here. My goal was to leave this town on my own terms. I feel bad for the people who live in L.A. and New York who can't leave on their own terms. They're leaving because of financial duress. I'm leaving because it's been my goal. They are not so lucky. They will be fortunate enough to have the technology to help them out to maybe get back on their feet somewhere somehow, working remotely or what have you. But all that money that they invested into that lifestyle, into that work environment is gone. Or at least most likely gone. So we got to help them out. We got to help them out because they're Americans. They're people. Their dreams are ruined. Their dreams are over. They have... I don't mean the comedians. Well, you know what? Some of the comedians. Comedians you've probably never even heard of. Comedians work... A lot of them, you'd be surprised. They work really hard. They travel like almost every week of the year to some place you never even heard of, to some club that fucking barely uh, can hang on to do 60 minutes and deal with hecklers. And they do four nights a week there. You know, two shows Friday, two shows Saturday. I had to get on a plane or in a car, drive to the next location. That's their life. We got to support them. Regardless of how you ideologically are in comparison to them, you got to support them. Because chances are they're coming to your town to live. Not to do stand-up. To live. To occupy. To start over. You know, Nick DiPaolo left New York, went to, New went to Georgia. Same thing. All these comedians are bolting. Fuck it. They can't do, com they can't do the thing that they love so they're going to go somewhere where they can. That's the, that's the whole point. 
so they're the canaries in the coal mines. And we have to support them in their decision-making. And the ones that are less fortunate who can't do comedy right now, we got to bring them into our communities. we got to let them know that they're welcome here. Wherever they go, wherever they land. If, if Nikki Glazer lands in your town, she's over here. I'm kind of over here, I guess. We did live, I mean, dietary-wise, we're definitely opposites. But, I mean, yeah, she's got a lot of money. But believe me, that shit dries up. It dries up very quickly, depending upon your lifestyle. I can handle it. You can't, you know, you can't kill me, dog. But anybody who has other, like restaurant owners, they're not as lucky. They're the canary's canary in the coal mine. So their businesses are done. They're flat broke. They're flat fucking broke. These restaurant owners, they've got no margins. They're done. They're leaving. Come here. Come here. Come to your come to your local rural area and open up that bakery or that Chinese restaurant or uh that little outdoor patio or that little bar or that bistro or that tapas place. Come here. Come to your local little area your or your hometown or just some rural place that doesn't have a lot of uh I don't know, diverse culinary cuisine. Try that and be the head of the town. We'll support it. We'll support it. We won't see you as a failure. You got fucked over by the system. And when I'm and I'm not saying systemic, I'm just saying you got you got fu- you got fucked over by something that was a long time coming. And I hope that I can set an example for look, you're not in the big cities but you can still have a presence. You can still do a lot of things. And once that well dries up, you still have other avenues in which you can pursue, whether it's your passion, finances, whatever. There's still life after your death. So I hope that you, when you canaries in the coal mine, flee LA and flee New York, that you can still practice in our locations. You can start over or you can you know, plant your feet and we can send you running again. I'm just, I don't know, I'm spitballing at this point, you know, but New York is not dead, but it's on life support. After this stimulus bill passes, and I'm just saying that, like I'm not saying anything more about the politics of it, I'm just saying there's this is a fact. This thing is going to happen. But when it does, that's it. There isn't going to be another one. There's not going to be another life raft. There's only so many people who are going to get off the Titanic. The rest of you are going to sink. So take whatever you get from this, however it helps you. Anything that you don't need, get rid of it. If it takes you more than a few seconds to think about whether or not you need it or not, get rid of it. Cancel it. Whether it's your gym membership, cancel that, work out at home. Your Netflix account, fucking get rid of that. All that shit, just get rid of it. I mean, I really, I really mean it. Get rid of all of it. Pay off any debt that you have and get it out of the way. You don't know what's coming. You don't realize how bad this could and most likely will get. There, the dollar is inflating beyond the point that you can understand. If our dollar fails or inflates and there's nothing to back it up, the price of everything will get to the point where you can't afford it. So if you pay $6 for a steak, okay, well, you still got some steak on the table. Imagine if a steak cost $26. Can you afford that? These are realities. And it, it's, something to, it's something to truly think about. And you better make a decision quick. Because I'm watching the price of gold. I'm watching the price of gold firms, silver firms, copper firms. I'm watching the, the fear indexes in the bear markets. Just watching them. 
the reversal can happen so quickly like it did in March. When that decision was made, I've never seen a plummet like that. Because the housing market crash of 2008, that was that was different. That was an economic that was an economic portfolio that crumpled, crumbled. But as quickly as it crumbled, it recovered really fucking fast because a lot of people had money. The housing the housing was still available. So there was a lot of recovering being made very rapidly. Not the case here. Not the case at all. I was laid off in 2009. I was rehired back at the company I was at six months later. There was unemployment. It was fine. Everything recovered very quickly. Within six months, everything was back to business. People were buying homes. Interest rates were here. People were back to work. People were pissed because of the bailouts and stuff, but okay. This is different. This is much different. You're watching kingdoms crumble right now. This map will never look the same. This isn't the new normal. There is no new normal. This, what we're going through, is something completely different, never before seen in history. The stock market crash of 1929 was not caused by a virus. This stock market crash was caused by a giant amount of variables. The price of inflation, massive spending, people's health and diet, racial tension, and then on the cherry on top, it was just enough to crack. Just enough to crack that foundation and everything else fell through. So get rid of, the point in life is not to become rich. The point in life is to not have to worry about money. That's the point in life. You don't want to have to worry about any of that stuff. You don't want to have to worry about any of that shit. You don't know what's going to crumble next. You don't know which company is going to go bankrupt next. You don't know when your data is going to be stolen. You don't know when you're going to get hacked. You don't know any of this shit. There's so much variables. So why put your continuously put yourself in a position where a company or a government or a neighbor can take advantage of you? And hack your life. So get out while you can. Get out. Get out of New York. Get out of LA. And let it crumble. It hurts me to say that because New York was a beautiful thing. It was a beautiful thing. This, it was a beautiful thing to watch just movement throughout the day. It was like a continuous power cell. Like... New York, its its culture, its vibrance. New York was a solar cell that at night ran on battery power and recharged during the day, and the cycle continued. That that was New York. It just kept spinning, and whatever you threw at it, it didn't matter. It kept charging. Rain, sleet, or snow, New York kept recharging that battery and shining bright the next day, and nothing could stop it. Not even a fucking hurricane which flooded half a lower Manhattan. Not even uh, planes crashing into two of the tallest buildings in the world. Couldn't stop it. This did. This did. And it just... And it was, it was a slow, painful death. It just, it just bled. It slowly bled out and it got quieter and quieter and quieter. So how does this work? Contrary to what you see or hear, people are leaving. And this time the numbers aren't going up. And when the wealthy leave, that's different. You're just going to it's if you want an example of a city where there's nothing going on, you can just look at a place like Worcester, Mass. Imagine like I could imagine, like, imagine my town. My town, there's a couple hundred thousand people. And imagine, like, the main strip, no, nothing was open. It was all for, for rent, for, for, excuse me, for rent, for lease. Uh, nothing, you know, space available, but no business. No businesses open, no people on the sidewalks, maybe a couple cars on the street. Traffic lights 
turning red, turning green, but no cars sitting at those intersections. No planes flying overhead because, well, the airport, they don't, there's no reason to fly there. Just it would go, a ghost town. Just some random people, some random homeless just wandering the streets, some geriatrics just kind of mumbling to themselves in the, in the Central Park until they just fade away. But that's a small town, like a couple hundred thousand of Worcester. New York's different. That's a much different environment. There's so much. There's so many more. There's so many more strings attached to New York than there is Worcester. So that death will be something far, far more reaching, because that's our stock exchange. That's where all our trading and our day trading goes through. What happens when that's no longer a, if that's no longer a central hub? Just a curious thought. But yeah, if you guys leave New York and you come here, man, just hit me up. Email me at positive sarcasm at outlook.com. I'll buy you dinner wherever you want. Anybody. Just send it out on social media. Clip this and send it to them. So. Uh, we're at 40. Fuck, man. I, I riffed. Um, all right. We're done for the day. You can find me on Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm. You can find me on Facebook at, P, uh, at POS sarcasm. So facebook.com slash POS sarcasm or facebook.com slash positive sarcasm. Either way, it's fine. I'm easy to hit up. Hit me up through my DMs. You can email me, positive sarcasm at look.com. TikTok uh, at positive sarcasm. Unless it gets banned, then nope. Uh, and of course, you can find all my information, all my posing music, movie reviews, YouTube stuff, positive sarcasm.com. YouTube, positive sarcasm, and positive sarcasm podcast two channels and if uh, you want to support this podcast go to positive sarcasm.com slash donate any amount is appreciated donate as little as a dollar that's it simple as that we're done for the day uh i just hit a hard 50 minutes for a sunday leftovers that's 20 minutes way too long you know what i'm saying anyways thank you for listening watching subscribing subscribe on itunes stitcher google play music spotify iHeartRadio, tune in Castbox, podcast addict anywhere where podcasts are available maybe on amazon music i don't know you may find me there soon but until then uh are we done yeah let's get the hell out of here thank you for listening watching subscribing i will talk to you all on wednesday recorded here from the spare part studio this has been a positive sarcasm presentation a long time ago I can still remember how that music used to make me smile And I knew if I had my chance That I could make those people dance And maybe they'd be happy for a while But February made me shiver With every paper I'd deliver Bad news on the doorstep I couldn't take one more step I can't remember if I cried When I read about his widowed bride But something touched me deep inside The day the music died So bye-bye, Miss American Pie Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry And them good old boys were drinking whiskey and rye Singing, this'll be the day that I die This'll be the day that I die Did you write the book of love and do you
Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. Them good old boys were drinking whiskey and rye and singing, This'll be the day that I die. This'll be the day that I die. Now for ten years we've been on our own, and moss grows fat on a rolling stone, but that's not how it
They caught the last train for the coast the day the music died and they were singing bye-bye Miss American Pie drove my Chevy to the levee but the levee was dry and them good old boys were drinking whiskey and rye singing this'll be the day that I die this'll be the day that I die they were singing bye-bye Miss American Pie drove my Chevy to the levee but the levee was dry them good old boys were drinking whiskey and rye singing this'll be the day that I die support this podcast go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate any amount is appreciated once again positivesarcasm.com slash donate